0: Hey, it's Emily Vogeltanz, and you are listening to the Grove Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in with us. You're going to love today's conversation with the one and only Christine Kane. Now, the world knows her as a powerhouse preacher, but over the years, we have come to know her as a really dear friend and partner in ministry. She really is like family to us here at Passion. And when you're family, you're able to go deep and talk about some real stuff, and that's just what we do in today's episode. Myself, Chris, and Shelly Giglio get vulnerable, and we talk about marriage, about being moms, the disappointment of life and relationships. We even have some honest conversations about the struggles of ministry. I was thankful to be in the room, and I'm really excited for you guys to glean from the wisdom of these two amazing women. So here is our chat with Christine Kane.
1: Hey, Shelly. I am so fired up. It's been so hard for me to keep quiet for this whole two minutes
2: of introduction. I know!
1: <laughs> you're like, I'm awkwardly silent. I don't know what to say to her
2: right now. <laughs> hey, we're so glad you're here. And I feel like today is going to be amazing because I love that people get insight into real world stuff. And you and I have been friends. I was just thinking today for a lot of years now. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I think is the most um, informative about those years is just watching the growth of your girls. And because when I met you, they were kids. Literally. They were children. Yes. And um, precious children who I love dearly, but just watching them grow up over the years of our friendship has been so special. Talk about it. Talk about you as a mom of teenage girls. Right, yeah, my Catherine I know.
1: Catherine just turned seventeen in March and um Sophia is thirteen, so yep. I am officially yep. a mum G- of teenagers. Ages. Now for me, I love it. I've been waiting for this. Yeah. Because you know, I was a youth leader for fifteen years and so I am living the dream. That's right now. amazing. I have to remember I'm a parent because I'm like, this is awesome. And so I couldn't wait. And we are we are the fun house. My kids Friends love coming to our place. Of and um, I still find it weird that they call me like Mrs. Kane, but that's who I am. And so it's just... It uh, is awkward, it though. Is so it's like, weird. I need you to
2: call me something else. Let yes. me think what that's going to be. Totally. probably feel disrespectful calling me by my first name. But. Uh,
1: totally. So, but I love it. And, um, you know, I did... Uh, I spoke at Sophia's school, middle school, um, a month ago. And when I get home from the Grove, I'm speaking at Catherine's high school. I'm only saying that to go... You know that you must be at least parenting okay if your kids have That's given incredible. you a green light to speak at school. Me, That's yeah. what I mean. Is like, That's the highest compliment. And so I, I would couldn't say, say uh, yes. You know, my uh, KDA from my office uh, schedules all my speaking, and so she's had to hold off. The school's been asking until we got the green light from each one of the exactly. girls.
2: Exactly. Can you imagine anything worse than you
1: showing up without the green totally. light? Would it be would be so bad. The end of you. So I knew then. I thought, okay. I'm I'm winning as a mum. Yeah. Um in in those areas because you know for me it is in in many ways. I know we talk about wearing hats, but I've always said and you know even when I was single before I was married, um I had a very full life. Married I had a very full life yeah. with children, a very full life. Um and I've never felt that I have a compartmentalized life. That's I think how I've done it. I I felt that I have an interconnected life. Yeah. So you know Um, When do I ever stop being a mother? I don't. Like, I'm a mother sitting here doing this podcast with you. I haven't stopped being a mom. Um, I don't stop being a minister either at the moment that I'm sitting here uh, or a wife or a sister or, you know, all the different hats that I wear for want of a better phrase. So for me, I've had to grow, but like in every area of my life, like to understand what truly is motherhood, what is biblical motherhood, um, because my practical life looks very different to some of the other people that I know, but... Most people's lives doesn't really look like everybody else's, if we're honest. Um, So I had to very early on because, you know, I became a mother older. So I had Catherine at 35, had a miscarriage at 37, and then I had Sophia at nearly 40. So I was well and truly, uh, Nick and I were leading a global ministry then. You know, we were traveling 300 days a year. Um, And so God knew that. When yes. yeah. when he gave me and, you know, allowed me to be pregnant with the girls, he knew that that's where I would be. So it wasn't like for me, and it might be different for other people, that the Lord was saying either to Nick or to me, okay, it's time to stay home now um, and full time right. be a homemaker. Yeah. This is something that I'm going to give you the grace to do yeah. as you continue to do what you're called to do, whatever yeah. that might yeah. look like.
2: So... I the, love that, that your girls were invited into that calling, too. It didn't feel like mm-hmm. that you had a calling on your life and then you had a family. No, God. It felt like your family was called to the life that you had been called totally. to. Totally.
1: Would never see it any other yeah. way. But but you see, Shelley, that would reflect how I went into marriage, too, because I married older. Yeah. I married when I was 30. And so for Nick and I... And, you know, I don't know how candid we can be on the Grove podcast. So Please, if there, I, bring, it, if I freak you all it, bring out. Bring it. But I remember, you know, very early on in our dating life, because I was the president um, of the Singles Till Rapture Club. And so I was like I'm I really so thinking that I was going to stay single without any sort of thinking I was secondary or anything in that right. sense. I, I just felt so fulfilled yeah. doing what mm-hmm. the Lord had called me to do. And uh, it in, you know, just really felt fulfilled. So then Nick and I early on, and Jesus had really saved me, and I had a, a very broken past, as many people know, and not just all of what happened to me, but of my own volition. I made yeah. some very mm-hmm. poor choices. And um, I remember saying to him at some point, I was, you know, when we were sort of talking about marriage, and I said, look, you're going to have to really tell me why I would want to marry you. I don't know how girls, I'm sorry, you know, some of you may never want to hear me speak This is speak Dating again. advice. Um I said, but look, uh when I started following Jesus, I-, I gave up sex. I mean, sex is not enough to make me get married, no matter how stimulating that's going to right. be. So it's not a good enough reason. Um, because I walked away from any moral life to say right. yes to Jesus, uh, and follow him. So I have to know that we are going to do more together for the sake of the kingdom yeah. um, than, you know, I, I would have done alone. And I remember just Nick looking at me going, man, you're sort of pinning tickets on yourself thinking mm. you're that great. Mm. Um, saying there would be no other reason. Like, you know, I think you're awesome. But I truly believe uh, that together God has called yeah. us to be fruitful. So we went into marriage uh, with that concept of however it was going to look, whatever that was going to mean, yeah. it, not like this is the task we're going to do. We we had no idea we'd be doing A21 or Propel or anything like that. Uh, but we knew we wanted to reach as many people with the gospel as we could, whatever that would mean in our lives. But because we were both on the same page – our marriage wasn't like suddenly my life stopped and now I got married. It was an extension of continuing to follow Jesus. And then when uh, the Lord, you know, when I was pregnant with Catherine and then Sophia, it was the same thing. And so our girls from day one have always known this is what we do as a family. God's called us to it. So God has graced us for it. And I think now I'm 53 this year. So, uh, you know, I've been parenting for 17 years and 13 years by God's grace alone But God has graced us for it because my girls thus far are flourishing. Yes, they are. Uh, Very, uh, they're great at school, love their sport, their plays. You know, they're just normal, normal kids in that sense. Um, At this stage, thank you, Jesus. They love church, they love the house of God. You know, people used to, the naysayers would say to me, early days, well, you know, you're always in women's conferences or churches. Your kids are going to hate church. Mm. And I think sometimes who needs the devil when you've got Christians? Because I thought, why would you speak that? over? uh, Why would God call me to do something that's going to destroy my kids? Now, here's the deal. If I was broken and I was driven by the need for significance and security from what I did, as opposed to drawn and compelled by the... Will of God to do to be obedient. Like every Christ follower is called to be obedient, whatever that might mean. My drivenness and my brokenness might have had ramifications on my daughters, and they do. And And everybody's life, of course. You don't have to be a global evangelist for that to happen. You could be a stay-at-home
0: mother and be broken, and your kids are doing that. So, you gave me so much freedom years ago. We were because we've known each other several years now, and I drive you around in cars a lot. Yes, you you do. We have fun, and And we have good conversations. (laughs) But you freed me up big time when you were like, if God's called you to this ministry, he's going to fill the gaps for your children. Yes. And it it just opened something up in me. And you also told me, I don't know if you remember this, but you you said, Emily, you don't have to be on the PTA and do all that stuff um, because there's other women that that's their calling. And don't try to elbow your way into all these callings when God's set something else over here for you to do. And I'd never heard somebody say that just to give me that freedom of like, hey, you don't have to. Do all that? That's not to put my kids in a corner no. or to neglect them in any way, but just saying God's called me to this ministry in this moment and to my children.
1: And I think if you, it's important that we have these conversations. But here is the deal: you you have to be secure. See, I just and and we reevaluate this all the time in different seasons of our life and our marriage and our children because the girls need different things from me at different times. Right. And so I remember. Um, taking Soph to school when she was younger and um, one of the mothers, an awesome woman, now she goes and volunteers at the school uh, four days a week. She really Mm -hmm. believes it's her calling, you know. And I remember, so it's the first day of school and I'm taking Soph and I'm always there uh, for first day, last days, a few of the significant days, but not for a whole lot of other stuff. You know, it's it's physically impossible to be in 15 countries of the world and at every uh, volleyball game. And so... I remember Sophia, like, let go of my hand and she goes, Mummy, there's Miss Anne, you know, and um, and ran across the playground and hugged Miss Anne and Miss Ann picked her up and swirled her around and my face beamed and mm-hmm. I went over to Miss Anne and I said to her, I want to thank you. Yes. I said, because... Every time I get on a plane, you really help me Mm -hmm. because I know that my daughter is so so happy. And Miss Anne starts crying, I remember. And I said, look, you have to know to my core that I truly believe that there's one body and many parts. I don't believe my part is any more important than anyone else's, but I have to be obedient to my part. Mm -hmm. And the only way I could be obedient to my part with, with a healthy soul, a clear mind, is to know that Miss Anne, is not dismissing her part and not thinking because I'm not rescuing the victims of human trafficking in the Ukraine, I'm not valid. I need her to go Mm. to that school in Southern California and colour in. And, And I remember saying, you know, the kids in middle school, are not going to want me to go every... After one day, they'll be like, could you please tell that mother <laughs> never <laughs> to In come Shabayi, again? York, like, could you? <laughs> three blocks away and I will just walk. Exactly. Yeah. There is no grace. And so I think where the challenge is how we measure what our kids need. I've always said it takes a village or mm-hmm. a local church or mm-hmm. a community to raise yeah. a child, to have healthy life, to do all of that. And because... Um, I don't abdicate my responsibility as a mother. I go, what is it that only I can be for my yeah, girls? And sense. we talk about, and of course, now my girls are more articulate and yes. older. And so um, I sit down with them and I, I say to my 17-year-old, Catherine, what will be meaningful to you? What is important for you? And I will prioritize that. But we all know, here's a great example. This is going to set someone free. I might make someone else a little bit ticked off, but that's okay. It's my spiritual <laughs> That's what gift. we're here for. And, um, but I remember saying to her, when she was like, mommy, I want to play volleyball. And I said, that's awesome. And that would require four afternoons of like training and then games and weekends. And I'm like, awesome. Okay. So I said, Catherine, let's talk about this. That's all. I want you to do what you want to do. So I said, is this, do you believe God is calling you to play volleyball? And she like rolled her eyes. and She goes, mom, I want to play volleyball. And I think it's because the girl's practice with the boys and, you know, like I I think there's a lot more going on. Yeah, (laughs) the whole deal is going on. No, And um, she goes, no, I just want to play. All my friends are there. And I said, okay, so you don't believe that this is the will of God for your life? Mm. She's like, no. I said, okay, are you going to play? Do you feel that you're called to play for the Olympic team, um, either for Australia or America, given you are a citizen of both (laughs) nations? Do you believe you're going? And she again rolls her eyes. like, No, mum. I said, okay, so it's not the call of God and it's not really part of, you know, where you're going in your life. You just want to do it because it's fun. She goes, yes. I said, that's awesome because I really want you to have fun because I love to have fun too. So we all need to – but I want you to know I could think of nothing worse than watching a bunch at the time of 16-year-old really poor-performing, girl volleyball players play volleyball. And I said, but that's really fun for you. So I'll make sure you get there. I'll even make sure there's donuts, you know, once a month for your team. Um, (laughs) And I will come to maybe one of your games at most. And I said, so if you're good with that, and I said, it doesn't mean that because I'll be away, I might just be at home going for a run because I'm going to find that way more enjoyable than watching that. And we just laugh. But it's how we sort of measure everything in our home and go, you know what? I, and I said to him, but you're going to have to understand there's other people that their entire value, significance, and security in their parenting comes from attending every
2: game. And I said yeah. – oh. That's where you've hit on it right there, I yeah. think. Yeah. Because and I, we've yeah. talked a lot about that. I feel like you – you are able to articulate that the same brokenness that we try to get from other people, we also try to get from our children. Very much so. And oftentimes, because of our brokenness, we end up fulfilling roles with our kids that they've never asked us to be in. Yeah. Never. But we're trying to get significance by putting ourselves in that place. And I don't have kids, so I can't talk about any of this intelligently. Only you people can talk about this well. But just as an observer, as somebody who's been very close to a lot of people raising kids, Mm -hmm. we have to be okay so that our kids have a chance to be okay, too. And we have to get well and be cured of and be healed from the insecurities that cause us to dominate our kids' life or to put them at the very center of our world and then demand that they be enough to fulfill those broken places in us. And that is killing a
1: culture of kids. Mm -hmm. An entire culture. You know, I I would use, just to throw in a little bit of a theological term, I would say it's idolatry. I see it very much where you're trying uh, to have Your child feels some unmet need on the inside of Mm. you. You're either vicariously trying to live through them, rather than understanding they're a gift from God to us. My job, I I do have a big responsibility to To train them up. Yeah, yeah, to to train them up. But they are. I am not God to them, and they are not God to me. And um, you know, right from their birth, actually, (laughs) and as they've come through life with us, we have really talked. openly about that and i've had to because um especially in the early days you know i'm a little bit older and so even as as the church has walked through different seasons of what what it's okay for women to do and not do you know in in my early days there were very few women that had children that were doing what i was doing and so i and nick and i had to understand in a sense um okay, some people are going to find this a little bit unusual because yeah. they're going to think now that I've had kids, I should be at home all the yeah. time. And, and when they went to school, I should be at every game. I couldn't find any precedent in the Bible for that right. at all. Yeah. So we had to then wrestle with what does this mean? What is biblical motherhood? And how do
2: I not fall into idolatry? Right, like right, That's yeah. the big nice. thing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like for you guys, and I've watched you do it, it there's definitely been a struggle there. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. hasn't always been as clear as that you as you sound, even in your voice right, right now, I've watched you have to figure out seasons of your kid's life and what you were supposed to do in those seasons. Very much. And to plan for ahead. Like, so Kat, my kid's now 17 and
1: 13. So, but four years ago, Nick and I began to change things knowing that they were going to get to this age so right. that I could be. I'm home a lot more now, yeah, which I yeah, am. Yeah. And so we're you know, I could take them with me a lot more easily when yeah, they were mm-hmm. young, newborn, just yeah, kind of put them on a the school. Yeah, and off you go. And then looking at the fact that Catherine wanted to go to school, I mean a big move for us was coming to America, yeah, I mean, to yeah. leave our nation, yeah. to come here, knowing um and a lot of that had to do with what is gonna work best for the kids in that next season yeah. um, and still enable us to do what God's called us to do. I'm in the midst of that right now. So 17 and 13, crucial for girls, crucial. Yes, yes, it is. And especially when you have a mother with high visibility. So they're girls. I'm a girl. um, If I'm not very conscious of they're coming into a very crucial hormonally identity formation, there's a lot of things that I just need to be uh, very available, not on a platform for my girls yes. in this season <laughs> yep. as they are growing through this and discerning. Uh, who they're becoming and they're awesome young women and just that I'm there for the conversations that are inevitably happening as the hormonal changes happen and life changes happen. And so I prepared for it, but I feel like that's part of it. It's not just being so overwhelmed by the moment, but if you think and understand that kids go through stages and God
2: gives you wisdom, yeah. you can actually be ahead of the curve. Yeah, that's beautiful. So it's I don't really feel beautiful. like I'm freaking
1: out right now yeah. because mm-hmm. we started those changes yeah. four years ago.
2: Yeah, and preparing yourself for them and your family for them. So um, one of your best assets, in my opinion, having known you all these years, is Nick Cain. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) That guy... I mean, I, we could spend the rest of the podcast with me—not even you—talking about <laughs> Nick Kane and how special the guy is. What do you is. always
0: say about Nick? He's the finest, the most ravishing piece of that. There it is. <laughs> Let it up. Oh my gosh!
2: Every message I've ever heard you. It speak. Is. I love it so much, <laughs> and he really is the truest um, person, one of the truest mm-hmm. people it's I've true. ever been around. He knows himself. He knows he what he's called to. He feels at peace. He's not at war trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. He leads his family with so much strength. Um, I love that Nick's not the loudest in the house, but he Mm -hmm. is definitely the strongest in the house. Yep. And (laughs) I just, I think God intended your life to be collided with somebody who has that kind of fortitude. Totally. And just such an inner strength,
1: Uh, his own relationship with God. I mean, you know, and that is, uh, you know, people go, you just, what a thing to say, but it is what attracted me, and here I am. Of we, we just finished, you know, we just had twenty three years. Uh, we celebrated our twenty third wedding John anniversary. Happy and still, anniversary! Uh, it is awesome. It's the best. And you know, twenty three years later, this is true. I'm not I'm just saying it because we're on a podcast, but still, Nick is still up well and truly at least an hour, if not more, before me every morning. Yeah. I and the girls would come downstairs if we're at home and he's sitting there with Ezra Blake reading the Bible. Ezra's not, but, you know, Nick is. Um, But a lot of people, yeah, that's our dog. And so, you know, it's Nick's best friend, I would say. Exactly. Um, (laughs) But um, his absolute confidence in who God is and who he is in Christ, uh, especially, you know, you think of my background, uh, the abuse, the abandonment, the rejection—I I don't know that I would have—I would have either been drawn, like I was before I was saved, to extremely broken people. Yeah. You know, brokenness is attracted to brokenness. Yeah. Um, it, as a Christ follower, really, the only man with the guts enough to to come after me—I remember our associate pastor at the time when Nick went. Nick told me this. He said I went up to our associate pastor and I told him, you know, I'm going to go after Christine Kane. <laughs> The guy said this guy married us. But he said, Um, Oh man, mate, you got a whole lot more courage than I have. That's I'm so scared so I'm so not going near And I'll never forget. But um you know, here is Nick Kane in a nutshell. This is Nick way back. This is before we were married, so it's now twenty five years ago. And this is what why I knew I could marry him. I remember when Pastor Brian, uh, my senior pastor, asked uh Asked me to oversee our state youth movement, you know, mm-hmm. so to be a, like a youth evangelist. And um, that would mean, though, at that time that I would be traveling nine months a year around Australia building youth rallies, like right. kind of that sort of stuff. But very unusual. A woman had never done that. Um, and, a, a, you know, a woman's on the road. Now, Nick and I were uh, engaged. And I thought, so when Pastor Brian, you know, approached me, literally I thought it is impossible for me to get married and do this. Like it's obviously, you know, and i thought a conflict of interest. Literally. Here. Yeah. Especially you've got to go back 25 years. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. no precedent for oh, this. It was a different, was a sure. different world. Yeah. And we're in Australia. There was no internet. There was no, so those of you listening to this, you can't, you can't even fathom no, what it's I'm hard talking to imagine about imagine right lived through. <laughs> and so, um, and so you you know, you're down under. And so I, th- I literally honestly thought that God was testing me to say, Chris, will you obey me you said you'd follow me wow. and i thought jesus you're so kind because you allowed me to get engaged so one day you know 20 30 years from now when i'm an older woman which i don't think that now but then i thought 30 years from now I was an old woman a you long know yes a long time, time when yes, i was I the age it. i am right now exactly. talking to um, you i'm going to be able to look back and go well you know Someone once wanted me, at least I can remember that once I was engaged and I laid it down. I'm like sort of Elizabeth Elliot. I'm Mm. like sort of, you know, like I was just, you know, Mm -hmm. the grandiose. I thought this is my chance for the sake of the gospel. (laughs) So I know everyone, I I am grandiose, but I I really did think that. And so um, I called Nick. Now, Nick and I are the same age. But he was—he uh, got saved in his mid twenties, and then went to uh, Bible school. So mm-hmm. he was still in Bible; he was just finishing um, his Bible college degree, and he was. So he was on a uh, some sort of mission trip somewhere in Australia. And this big thing happened. I'd had this big moment with God that I can't even believe I'm telling you all this. I, anyway, love this so much. I had this big moment with God where I'm thinking like, I am, you know, think of the biggest women missionaries in life. I'm now I'm gonna next thing I'm gonna do is go to i am I'm gonna sacrifice this engagement that I'm going to Siberia for the sake of the gospel. And <laughs> oh so, you know, I've got the most grandiose. <laughs> At least you're not dramatic. I'm, I'm like, it's all <laughs> this is it, but I'm doing it for Jesus. And I mean they're gonna put me in a pot and burn me alive, but I'm not gonna deny Christ. You know, I, I I'm like That's me. I used to read like Fox's Book of Martyrs for like my inspiration. Okay, (laughs) this is all Chris Kane. And then Operation World and look at which countries were the most unevangelized in the world. And I was going to do that. And so I call him and I'm just so, you know, he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, you know, this is all for Jesus. And if, and like, I'm not even making sense. I'm going, if I was, if a bunch of cannibals got me in Africa and they boiled me in a pot, Nick, I would just not deny Christ. So Jesus is now asking me, can you, who would want to marry me? Can you imagine? Jesus did. Right now, the okay. look on his face. What did he and so say? And says, like, what are you talking about? I said, well, Pastor Brian <laughs> has asked me to take over Youth Alive. And, you know, a woman's never done it. It's always been the male evangelists that have travelled and I guess this is going to mean I have to travel to country towns in so Australia. Amazing. You're like laughing, That's okay? And, so, and that means that obviously, obviously I, I could never get married and, and the Lord's just asking me to be single and I'm just going to have to lay this. I mean, you, you've you got to imagine the drama. And, and this so is like yeah. on a phone, you know, where you dial. Where you're paying long Yeah, yeah you're, yeah. you're dialing oh, yeah. like, okay, so this is it. No, I get it. Okay, so Nick... Sounds a little bit emotional for a second, which you've got to know, Nick, to you know that just means his voice t- changed a tad. And so I'm, um, and I said, Well, what's wrong? And then he started laughing, and I thought, How insensitive you're mocking you know, me, literally. Yes. And I mean, you, you got to understand, like, I'm joking now, but I was, I was all in, I was laying this down for the sake of the gospel. Mm. And um, and then he said, Christine, he said, I think it's wonderful that Pastor Brian has asked you this, and I said, Why? He goes, of course you're going to do it. I said, but but I can't because then how could, you know, or if I do it that that's going to be it. He goes, what do you mean it's going to be it? I said, well we couldn't get married. He said, I don't even understand what you're talking about. Mm. I don't understand what you talk. And I said, well I'm going to be away and da da da. And he said, um, Christine, he goes, just hang on a minute. He goes, I can't even believe what you're saying. So so what you're saying is that um you think I I need you home. So I'm going to say to God on Judgment Day, God. I am so sorry that I was such an insecure male that I needed a woman to be home with me every night to iron my underwear and cook my dinner so that I would feel strong and affirmed as a male. God, I am so sorry about the millions of souls that have now gone to hell, Mm. but I'm glad Mm -hmm. that my underwear is ironed. Mm. You know, at that moment, Mm. I knew I could marry this man. And that was... Because you are on uh, mission
0: together. Literally. It was like...
1: I know a lot of other women needed like 17 roses and you are beautiful, you're wonderful. I just needed a man to say, you don't need to iron my undies or cook my dinner. See these millions of souls? We are going Let's go for maximum. World. And I'm yeah, like, I could marry that. Yeah. And you know, here we are 23 years later, it hasn't changed. Here's yeah. a
0: question for, you both could answer this, even you Shelley. Just, you are both strong women and you are married to really strong, brilliant men. Has there ever been a season in your marriage where... There has been a competitiveness or a a feeling of um, of jealousy even towards your spouse I mean, I would say for me, there's moments of competitiveness
2: for sure where we um <clears throat> we're both type a driven people, and so when you're both in that category, you have moments where you feel like you are at the front of the line mm-hmm. or should be um yeah. But I think the thing that maybe differentiates Christine and I from a lot of other people who are the same type people is that I understood from the very beginning marrying Louis that I was agreeing to some things to to join his life in yeah. some things. And although I felt gifted in my own areas and never felt insecure about what those giftings were— I also knew that I was actually putting my life in a position to bring assistance and help to him as well. Mm -hmm. And I didn't ever look back on that. Once I decided that that's part of what I was called to, I didn't undecide it 30 years in. I'm still doing... Logically, the exact same thing I was doing is on day one. Yeah. I'm still bringing the kind of support and we don't talk about submission. It's not a word that anyone wants to address in today's culture but the honest truth of the Bible is that there is a submitted part of me yeah. to the leadership of my husband that will never ever waver mm-hmm. and I am committed to being his wife and when I said yes to that I said and agreed to a lot of things that maybe I wasn't as comfortable with maybe not even as gifted. For mm-hmm. Maybe I wasn't as gifted for some of those things as I was for some of the other things. And yet I made an agreement and a covenant yeah. that I would be in agreement with him on those things. And I am yeah. committed to that. And yeah. I, I don't feel, it's so weird as life grows and as opportunities grow and as I've led more and more things, I don't feel less of that. I feel more of that. And I think Chris has spoken to it so well. It's partially where I intended my life to go, yeah. and that's why I'm on a destination to that point. Mm-hmm. It's because I decided when I was 18 years old that if I was going to marry Louis, that this was going to be a part of our story, that the glory of God yeah. was more important than my happiness. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yep. <laughs> that's the truth. And it doesn't mean I'm not happy. I am happy. God has given me so much joy in my marriage. Yeah. But I never prioritized my happiness above his glory Yeah, ever. Yeah, And to this day, I'm 33 years into being married. And I don't regret that because when things were hard and difficult and under strain, mm-hmm. I still knew that there was purpose. And that purpose has driven us in yeah. all of life to the goal. And so, of course, when we're standing in our world today and the world has been favored by God, mm-hmm. all of it's God's doing. Nobody knows more how much God has done than me and Christine, Hello. right? Hello, We yeah. stand yeah. in it every day. Yeah. I know it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. I totally. am no, no, in no way unclear yeah. about that. So because I know God has done that, then I know it's the favor of God at work in our lives. And because I know that, I can trust Him that wherever He leads us is going to be good. Yeah. And I believe that with all my heart, but I have the same convictions that I had on the day I married Louie or agreed to do this with my life when I had no idea any of this would unfold. Yeah. No earthly idea. <laughs> People say all the time, were you surprised by where God took your life? I'm like, I mean, who could have projected this would be my life? Am I surprised that God did something great? Absolutely not. He says it all the yeah. time that he's good and that he intends good for our life. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm not surprised that God did good. But am I surprised that I'm the one living this life? Of course I am. Who who would have ever imagined? Chris, I are, you are, are you surprised? That's
1: why I love when people like, you know, at 20, man, I've got these great dreams. I'm thinking... I didn't even know what I'm doing today existed right. when I was 20. Yeah. So I'm like, "Don't Neither please, did. and please it did it. No. Yeah, it I'm honestly like, did please it. Please don't limit God by what you, yes. ha- your capacity to dream at 20. So mm. I feel the same way at 53. Yeah. I feel uh, exactly the same. And you know, I think it's your question. I echo ev- everything that Shelley said because uh, Nick and I have that kind of relationship. So mm-hmm. there's not. There are times when um, and if if we're going to yield, I, I always say this. You know, I, I'm never frightened about the Ephesian scripture about a wife submitting to her you husband. Know, so you know that I'm 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 like put it out there, and you know I have no problem yeah. uh, talking about that because I truly believe that if a man loves his wife as Christ loves the church, yes. um, then there is a natural yield that you just like. It's it, oh, I certainly have it, and I feel that Nick, um, when we're if we're both just being carnal and fleshy, then you know we just got to work through that and yeah. repent get it right. That's a yeah. human selfishness. Of that's course, carnality. Yeah. That's very. Which, that's two different conversations. Yes, so, that kind of carnality, that selfishness, you, you you just have to deal with with God. And nothing is going to sanctify you like a marriage. Yeah, <laughs> so okay. you know, yeah. like God is going to use yeah. that. That's one level of conversation. Uh, another level is. Uh, To fulfill the purpose of God, you've got too strong. Because both Nick and I are Enneagram Mates and we're both type A's. So, you know, go figure. um, I'm way more vocal uh, in terms of personality. But let me say, (laughs) no stronger than my husband in that way. Um, So, you know, let me just an example. Big life things like moving to America. Uh, If it was up to me, we wouldn't be here. Mm. So I really felt in that thing Mm. um, after several years of, you know, dialoguing with Nick. It's very rare that he, in our 23 years, that it's like, Christine, I really feel this is what the Lord's saying. Mm. And um, we've had about three of those. And on all three, I initially didn't feel. And I chose to (laughs) yield Mm based on a covenant I made Mm. 23 years ago. And Can I just say all of those three big ones, like moving here, he's been right on all of them.
0: Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. I think about the church for us, which was one of those very things. Where Louie felt for two or three years that the church was the right thing for us to do. And I was resistant. Completely resistant. And I mean anyone who leads a church knows all the obvious reasons. (laughs) Yes. Some of it was just wisdom on my part to go, No, thank you, I'm thinking we're good. But now seeing the fruit of the church and knowing what God has done, what if I had said no to that? What if I had not followed? And what if I hadn't decided when I was 18, 19, and 20 years old when we were dating that I was going to follow the man that God put in my life? That's it. And I just, I think for women today, we just need to say there's a purpose in that. And God knows what he's doing and he's orchestrated order and I believe in it with all Me of my yeah. heart. And I want to be the kind of woman who supports and speaks well of that so because my life has flourished yes. because that's of it. it. And yeah. that's what I say. And, you know, I know
1: with that, there'll be, you know, Abuse a lot of other, it. and so I get that. But that doesn't mean that, and we well, there's lots of platforms to, to, uh, talk about that, and nobody has ever said that that's okay. But it would be the same because I can categorically say I said there was three things. So moving to America, the other one would be A twenty one, and the other one would be Propel. There would that be no A twenty one, and there would be no Propel. Yeah, and they're the three things yeah. that people would go, oh my gosh, look at Chris Kane and look what she's doing. And I'm like, none of them would exist if it wasn't for me. If I didn't, if and I literally, for wonder, there is no other word.
0: Submitted, that's yes. what it comes yeah. down to, yes. yes, yeah. But look at the beauty and the fruit that's mm. come from those yeah. points specifically of obedience. in your life because you're the face of Propel and you're the face of A21, yeah. so yeah. he's pushing you towards because that's what, what you felt. were made to do, to, do yeah, to, and flourish, to keep yeah. it going.
1: And to, yeah. I, I would have definitely shut down a lot of the big public, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, the growth of a lot of that. A I've, lot earlier. I've
0: been married 16 years and I, I look up to both of you, just know, a new year. You're doing this, but wow. I can, I agree with all of that. I mean, adopting our daughter was, it was my husband saying we're, we need to do this. Yep. And I was hesitant initially and I'm, just, I can't imagine. I our can't life imagine your it. life without her. No. There's so many yeah. things. So it's encouraging to watch. you. I guys. have
2: one last thing and I know we need to finish up, but I, I want to talk about the word disappointment mm-hmm. because I feel like, um, people who look at us on stages or listen to us on podcasts or see your preaching or your work through A21 or go to Propel Conference and see the life change that happens in them because of those encounters with God in those spaces might consider us to be without disappointment in life. (laughs) Mm. It would be easy for people to assume their life is going differently than mine and everything is working out well for them. But for me, it doesn't feel like this and it feels more like drudgery and it's so hard and I feel just so disappointed by so many things in my life. The reality is is that we have the same feelings and that we have the same disappointments (laughs) and that we are devastated by people, Mm -hmm. we are devastated by events, we are devastated by death in our families, we are devastated by challenges and illnesses Every single thing that every person listening to this is encountering today, you and I and Emily have been in or will be in, in our lifetime. And so I just want to remind us that we're human, right? And so the world's broken and we live in it. And so that means that we have a lot of brokenness in us and disappointments that happen to us. You, to me, epitomize, Christine, overcoming. Right. That brokenness, both from the situation where you were abandoned, Mm -hmm. both from a situation where you've been abused. But I see you overcome every single day in your life. Mm -hmm. I watch disappointments from all kinds hit your world. Yeah. And I see you allow God to be all he intends to be in those moments in your life so that you can push through and overcome. So tell me three things or four things about how you're able to do that.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that drives me... uh is when I say the mission of God, so Jesus is worthy, first and foremost, Mm -hmm. is that you've just, and and that's not a trite statement, it it is the only thing that has sustained me, um, is to go, okay, Chris, in light of eternity, so whether, and you know, I'm uh, very tender hearted. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you get into my heart, you really, uh, you know, I'm not so healed that I don't need Jesus like everybody else. And so um, this side of eternity Day by day, I'm being conformed to the image of Christ. Yes, so there's yeah. there's a long way to go. So, you know, personal betrayal. Pe- people that that are close yeah. to me really have the capacity yes. to hurt me yeah. deeply. So like any like anybody. So, mm-hmm. um, and like anyone else, uh, I feel a sense of betrayal at times. I feel a sense of you know being uh, let down or unjustly accused or yeah. you know just the things that everybody does yeah. through life. So I have to make up my mind that. Um, the cause of Christ is what drives me above everything else. And so I love Jesus and I love his church. Mm -hmm. So everything to me, it's almost like I put myself under all that. So so if my reaction, so I really have to measure my reaction. So Christine, number one, is this going to give glory to God or is this going to hurt his church? Mm -hmm. And so Joyce Meyer once said to me, Um, Christine, and as as the Lord began to give me increased influence, she said, "I want you to remember, Christine, that the amount of people that the Lord allows you to help, that's the amount of people that you can hurt. So be very careful about what you do." And that statement has probably stuck with me more than anything else. That my reaction, you know, whether it's a moment of wanting to gratify my flesh or wanting to. you know, basically, just explain myself, or yeah. just lash out at someone yeah, and give mm-hmm. them their just desserts. If I, you know, my my carnality gets in the way, I think Christine, imagine how many people you're going to hurt with wow. this right wow. at this point. And if you yeah. love, and Jesus, um, he said to Peter, "Look, if you love me, make sure you feed my sheep." Yeah. So, an expression of a lot of people sometimes we see, you know, well, I just love Jesus, and so I'm going to do what I want. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, wow, my Bible says, if I love him. I'm going to feed his sheep. Yes. I'm going to protect his sheep. I'm yeah. not going to hurt his sheep, yeah. a part of loving yeah. Jesus. Yes. He says three times, he said, it's a Peter. Look, if you do, this is how this is expressed. And so um, I, I, I take very seriously the responsibility that the Lord's given me, um, which means I'm going to have to die to myself sometimes and just yeah. go, you know what? That means some people are going to have the wrong impression. Some yeah. people are, are going to misunderstand um, Whatever is going to happen, and I'm going to have to live with that. Yeah did that uh, Did
0: that come easily? No. To how did you? No. Did <laughs> no. You <laughs> Are you doing kidding it me? To like, is that even possible? Yeah. Like practically, like you're laying in bed at night and you're thinking about all the people mm-hmm. that have these. I Because that's yes. a struggle for me. Is I I hate being misunderstood. Me too. And it's a fight. Like I literally have to fight constantly. My mind. It's where all those and scriptures and the down. Psalms
1: about, you know, you're going to fight for me. I mean, we sing great songs, you know, God is fighting for me, yeah. pushing back the you like going, uh, let me help you f- fight for me, God. Yeah. And so, you know, the only be silenced I'll and still you. and yeah. see the, <laughs> yeah. the deliverance of the Lord. I'm like, oh, they're great yeah. Instagram posts. Um, but the reason I post them is because I live them. That's yeah. the bottom <laughs> you line. You need to remember. I, I, the yeah. times I've slept with Psalm 91 open on my bed going, yeah. okay, wow. okay, I'm going to have to literally believe this. Yeah. I, I yeah. tell a world to believe it. I'm going to have to live it because I've decided. I want to live my life on this earth from the lens of a resurrected Savior. And so that means I'm fighting from victory. You know, you know, say, And often people will say that to me, Christine, you have a very overcoming spirit. But that's because I truly believe yeah. we are more than conquerors that's, uh, yeah. through Christ Jesus who strengthened us. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have lots to conquer. Right. Uh, but I that's approach what going. we're conquering from the position of being a more than conqueror. But that doesn't mean I'm exempt from the pain, yeah. the hurt, uh, you know, the last... Uh, I'm going to speak at the Grove tonight. Very candidly, it'll be the first time publicly I'm going to talk about you know how I almost, if ever in my Christian life ever, in 30 years of following Jesus, I was going to literally not not try not say this lightly, ever going to stop um, to literally pull out of all public ministry, Mm -hmm. shut down all my social media accounts, all my responsibilities. Mm Uh, not backslide in that sense. Uh, well, that would be backsliding, but you know, um, but not go and do anything Just put it all away. Yeah. Just go, you know what? I really am done. I, yeah, I really am life. done. Right. Yeah. Um, it would have been, you know, 2017, 2018. Yeah. I would have done that. And um, that's how close I came to, to, and yet it's my love for Jesus, again, mm-hmm. the call of God, the thing I signed up for, mm-hmm. Him, and my love for His church yeah. that, in, that in my darkest hour, Enabled me to keep going. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I watched you do that. And I watched you overcome those Mm -hmm. moments. Mm -hmm. And I watched you press through to Jesus when the world was saying, um, you could just live disappointed. Mm -hmm. You could just stay where you are and be justified. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead, I watched you say, if God is enough, then he is enough.
1: Yeah.
2: And he's enough for even this. Yeah. And watching your heart come alive to his power in those moments. And obviously the world who benefits from your life and ministry and heart more than ministry, your heart and the way God has made you and called you and gifted you and um, connected you to himself is what we encounter every day and the world would be at great loss without you standing in it and so thank you jesus thank you for my friends thank you jesus (laughs) that christine's life could be saved even from that so that you could be with us today and that you could be ministering in the ways that you were intended to and that god designed you to and um, all thanks and glory to god for that because we all know he's the one who did that So thank you for being with us today and for just loving us and for continuing to show up in our lives and for being like family to us. This is family. literally the world to us, and we love you just the same. Love you.
0: Thanks, Christine. We are so grateful for you and the way that you love and serve the church with all your heart. Um, If you want to hear more from Chris, I invite you to check out episode 12 of our podcast, for one of the messages she gave at The Grove called, Do You Want to Be Healed? It is powerful and worth a listen. And if you're looking for a Bible study for yourself or for a group, I encourage you to order Christine's new study. It's called 2020. And you can learn more about that at christinecain.com. And hey, one last thing. Don't forget to say hi to us on Instagram and keep up with all the fun that's happening at The Grove. Check out PCC underscore The Grove for all the details. All right, we'll catch you next time on The Grove Podcast.